This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. We're in uh, Proverbs. We're in the second Sunday of a series we began last Sunday. And so I hope you're ready. Uh, I hope that many of you, I, I wish that all of you, but I know a lot of you were not here last Sunday, so you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But I hope that so many of you have been reading through the Proverbs one chapter a day uh, this past week, and you'll continue to do that until you finish the Proverbs with Proverbs 31. Uh, we're looking into the Bible's book of wisdom in the Proverbs to find out how our lives can reflect wise choices. Rather than being seen, and this is how Christians are often seen in this country, and let me say this, for good reason. Rather than being seen as being naive and gullible, God wants us to be wise with our choices. He doesn't want us to be foolish. He certainly doesn't want us to be a danger to ourselves and to others. And so last week we talked about the sources of wisdom listening to the wise, asking from God, and then learning from our own personal experiences. So I know those of you have been, I can look and see, I can tell this. Those of you that read a proverb chapter every day this past week, you already look wiser to me. You know, there's something about you that exudes wisdom. Today we're going to see some ways we can be wise in our friendships. One area of our lives where we need wisdom especially you young people that are here and you parents of young people. I hope that, that we, we learn some things today. Next week, we're going to talk about wisdom in our families, how to be wise in our families, our marriages, our children, our parents, our relatives. How do we practice biblical wisdom in the family relationships? And then to finish up the series in a couple of weeks, uh, Bernie's going to be teaching, come up and teach about wisdom in our finances. So I'm looking forward to the next few weeks. You say, what's coming after that? We have a summer series that we're calling a heroic summer. And for the summer, we are going to be going verse by verse, story by story, person by person through Hebrews chapter 11. So you know Hebrews 11, we call it the hall of faith. So it's going to be a heroic summer uh, beginning in just a few Sundays. Uh, this is, there's a good bit in Proverbs, by the way, about friends. And that makes sense since we learned last week that much of this book is written by a father to his son. And he wants to tell him about relationships with his friends. After teaching our children how to have a healthy relationship with family members, and that's really where we start with our kids in the home. This is how you love one another in the home, how you respect one another in the home, how you treat your brothers and your sisters in the home, and so forth. After we teach our kids how to have healthy relationships with family members, we then move on with them to share uh, how to love and how to share with and how to help and how to protect and how to respect um, God and his family. And we introduce them to the gospel and we introduce them to Christianity by our own lives. And, 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 and so we get to that place where we talk to them about friendships. And what could be more valuable to young people than to teach them wisdom in friendships? Really, what could be? How often have you, we heard the expression about someone, especially a young person, maybe a teenager, and we've heard the expression when things don't go like we'd hoped they'd gone, we heard this, well, you know, he or she just hung out with the wrong crowd. Have you heard that? 
over. They just hung out, got involved with the wrong crowd, with the wrong people. Young people need our guidance in selecting and being friends, and they need to understand the values that you hold tightly to as a parent, as a Christian, as a family. So lots of treasure here in the Proverbs regarding friends. But let me just say, before you tune me out, it's not just about young people and their friendships. We adults need to think about being wise in our friendship relationships as well. I suppose that other than family, the greatest joys and sadness, the highest highs, lowest lows in life are really related to our friends, aren't they? Everybody either has friends or wants to have them. I did a little Google search and I found some great quotes about friends. Let's look at some of these things. They're up on the screen for us. Good friends don't let you do stupid things alone. All right. There is nothing better than a friend unless it's a friend with chocolate. How many say amen to that? All right. Yeah. When you're up in life, your friends get to know who you are. When you're down in life, you get to know who your friends are. How true is that? Yeah. Friends are the bacon bits in the salad bowl of life. True friendship isn't about being there when it's convenient, and it's about being there when it's not. Yeah. We're best friends. When you fall, I'll always pick you up after I stop laughing and taking a picture. (laughs) Friends come and go like the waves of the ocean, but true ones stay like an octopus on your face. A generation ago, I would have taught that friends come in four levels, but in life today, in the 21st century, you'll have four and maybe five types of friends. Let me run through what those are and take some notes this morning. Level number one, it's at the bottom of the pyramid. It's acquaintances. Acquaintances. And you'll have more of these than any other of the levels of friendship. Acquaintances are people we've met. Maybe we only know them by name. We might know something about them like we know where they work. Maybe they work with us, but we really don't spend any time with them. Uh, We might know where they live, but we don't get together socially. We're not really involved in their lives uh, socially or any other way. Um, And and really, you think about this, all of our friends start out at this level, don't they? They start out as acquaintances, and you meet them. Uh, You know, some of my best friends in life I met on the school bus on my first day of school or or at school at baseball practice on my first day of baseball practice at school. Acquaintances. They start there. Uh, We don't necessarily, with acquaintances, we don't necessarily have many things at all in common with those who are in this level, this circle with us. Um, But it's our biggest circle, if we can say it that way, acquaintances, our biggest circle of friends. Then you move up a notch, and you have what we'll call casual friends. Casual friends. Uh, We do, maybe rarely, but we do get together socially on occasion. They might be old school friends from years ago that we run into at the supermarket every now and then, or maybe at a class reunion. Uh, my, My high school class reunion is having a reunion this fall, 45 years. I remember when 45 was an old man. And it's been 45 years since I graduated from high school in just a, just a couple of weeks. 45 years. And I, I, if I go, I'll run into some people and remember their name, but I, you know, and maybe and talk with them, casual friends. 
Probably most of the people that you work with, we can call casual friends. We enjoy being around them. We care about what's going on in their lives. We talk, but our conversations really don't get into any kind of a depth in what we talk about. Uh, Maybe the other people in your connection group, some of those might fit into this circle. It might include everybody I know at church pretty much. You know them, but here's the here's the truth. Here's the fact of the matter. A lot of people, you know, I, I I read a lot of things from pastors, and we discuss about a lot of things. And pastors say, "Yeah, we've had we've grown so much as a church. We've had to divide into into two worship services." And man, we've had a lot of pushback against that because people say, "Well, uh, I won't get to see everybody. I won't, you know, I I won't make you know. You can only know so many people at a at a close level." Only so many, maybe 75 that you can call their names. Some people throw that out. Oh, we're just getting too big as a church, and I want to come back and say, and so we'll let the rest of the world go to hell, or what are we saying here? You know, we can't get too big. What do we do about when we do grow? And those of you who've been around Nag said church very long, you know our answer to that is as we grow larger as a church, we grow smaller in our connection groups. We still have that small group, that, that group of friends. We have these casual friends. The reality is you can't know everyone, but you can know some, and that's okay. An acquaintance, by the way, that first level, people, we just kind of know their name and say hi to them, wave to them. Maybe there's somebody in our neighborhood, neighborhood that we drive by every day and we wave hi to them, and, and they're an acquaintance. Uh, acquaintances can grow into a casual friendship really quickly, can they not? You can move from acquaintance to casual friendship literally in a day or two. doesn't take long. This is our second largest group of friends. We share more in common with casual friends than we do with acquaintances. But then we go up to the next level of friendship, and that's our close friends. Close friends. These are your good friends. These are really your really good friends. They're, they're close friendships, and they don't happen quickly, not in one or two days. They develop over time. It's these friends that you you go on vacation with or you go out to dinner with regularly. You babysit each other's kids. A word we often use that fits in this level of friendship is the word fellowship. These are people you know I can call any time if I have a need. These are the people other than family that these are the folks you'll invite to your kid's wedding. These may be the people in your connection group. I hope that they are close friends. Sometimes I hear kids, children, mostly in elementary school. I hope not in high school, but sometimes I hear kids say something like this. They just describe somebody they met that day as their new best friend. You ever hear people say that? I met my new best friend today. And I chuckle when I hear that. Tomorrow, that new best friend might be somebody else. You know, I've I've met another new best friend. The smallest level of friends is the one at the top, and that's our intimate friends. Intimate friends. These are a few people in your life. In your life, may only, in your whole life, may be a handful of people that get into this circle. This is where you do find your BFF. This is your, your best friend is in this level. The one person at the top. By the way, if you say I have a best friend, how many best friends can you have? 
I think just one. You know, I can have a lot of really, really good friends, but one best friend, that's where this person is, and a few others that are at this level, and you're at this level of friendship when there is a mutual commitment of investment in the other's relationship in the Lord. Can I say that again? Christian, your, your best friends, your intimate friends ought to be Christians who are pulling you closer and closer to Jesus. You're not afraid with these people to be transparent. You, they, they see you as you, they know you as you really are. Your intimate friends know the real you. And you, you have a, have, if, if, if it's not implicit, you have an implied permission with one another to correct each other, to point out each other's blind spots. I can't believe you did that. What do you mean? Well, let me tell you why, why, why I think that was a bad thing to say or a bad thing to do. Your best friends, your close, intimate friends can do that. If you're married, let me just suggest something here. If you're married, your spouse ought to be in this group. Don't you think? You're doing life together with your intimate friends, the good and the bad. Among intimate friends, there's lots of place and opportunity for forgiveness. These are the people, by the way, that you would die for. Then the fifth group that's come along here in the last few years is number five, and that's what I would call your social media, look at me, friends. All right? And I've got it outside the pyramid. It's over there on the side on purpose because this level of friendship is a fairly recent development created by technology. I looked on my Facebook page the other day and found I have 897 Friends, I'm approaching a thousand. I need to weed some out, you know. Uh, and and that you know, I look at that number, and and if I if I want it to be, I can look at that and go, it must be pretty special. <laughs> Eight hundred ninety-seven people that are my friends can be ego inflating, unless we honestly assess that truly, really, how many of that eight hundred ninety-seven or however many. Some people I know have thousands. How many of them are really my friends? It's just a tiny step, I think. Social media friends. I think it's just a tiny step up. I think it's the adult version of the imaginary friends that little children, toddlers have. <laughs> you know, we still want to have that imaginary friend. So we have these Facebook friends. Most social media friends fit up really in the acquaintance level, if that. I mean, there are people that I have in this 897, and sometimes something will pop up on Facebook that they posted, or it's their birthday, and I'll look at them and go, who is that? And then I go, I check them out, and I research and find out, oh, they're a friend of a friend of a friend who's wanted to be my friend. Facebook friends might be the only friends you have who are always arguing and yelling at you. <laughs> you know the old expression, with friends like these, who needs enemies? You know, some of us have those kinds of friends. <laughs> They're always in arguments about something. Like they've always got a chip on their shoulder. And some are people that, like I said, I've never met, but they're friends of friends. So some, I frankly, I don't interact with because their views uh, their values are so opposite of my own, so I really don't follow them. But if they need to talk with me, they're my friend, and I make myself available because I think that's part of my 
my life as a Christian, my ministry, but some of our Facebook friends are at the other levels. I mean, I have some of my best friends are also my Facebook friends. A lot of my acquaintances are Facebook friends. Living wisely in our friendships means we understand, and here's several lessons for us this morning. And these are great lessons. Again, parents, these are great things to teach our children. Number one, God can choose my friends better than I can alone. God can choose my friends better than I can by myself. What does that mean? How does God choose my friends? I mean, do I get a text message from the heavenlies and this is God and here's who I want you to be your friend now? Of course not. How does God choose? Well, it's kind of a process. We know from our study in 1 John a couple of months ago that we are to walk like Jesus walked. We are to follow him. And if we look at Jesus' life, let me ask you a question. Answer back audibly so I can hear you. Did Jesus have friends? Yes. Oh, yeah. In fact, he looks at his disciples and he says, I've called you, I've called you servants, I've called you friends. Jesus did have Friends, he knows about friendships. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed by his close friends, doesn't he? He knows friendships. He had friends. And so if Jesus had friends, then I should as well. Second point is this. All of my life is to glorify God. All of my life. In church, all means what? All. And that's all. All means all of my life is to glorify God, and that includes my friendships. Doesn't mean that all of my friends are Christians. I hope that not all of your friends are Christians. You know, I've heard people teach, well, if as a Christian, all of your friends need to be Christians. No. I mean, I think at the upper levels, my really good friends, my intimate friends, yes, they need to be Christians. And we'll talk about why in just a moment. But my acquaintances, I hope not. I hope you're constantly making friends with people who don't know the Lord. Why is that important, Rick? How do we reach them with the gospel if we don't become friendly with them? You see, people will listen to you tell your story if you've already built a relationship with them. But how I relate to all my friends should please the Lord. That's what I mean by glorifying God. How I relate to all my friends should please the Lord. Next point. If wisdom is to lead in my friendships, then as I pray for wisdom, I should include my friends. Some of you this week, every day, you've been praying for wisdom. That's been the first thing I talk to God about every morning as I open up his word and I read the Proverbs. I get done and I say, today, God, I need wisdom. I don't know what for yet. Because I don't know what's going to come in my day. But today, God, I need your wisdom. So I also ought to pray about wisdom, including my friends. And it's okay to ask God, by the way, for friends that he wants me to have. That's okay. He makes no mistakes. I trust him to do that. And then the last point here, and how... You know, how do, how do I let God choose my friends? I would say that everything goes better when God has control in my life, doesn't it? Everything that God has control of in my life goes better because, again, he makes no mistakes, and he gives us these proverbs. That we're going to read a number of them here this morning to help us in choosing our friends. So let God have control of my friendships. Let God pick and choose. All right? All of our friends, and here's why, friends are so important. 
all of our friends can have influence on us. All of our friends. I saw a couple teenage boys walking up my street yesterday. And, and, and this isn't in my notes, it's, and I'm no extra charge for this. But, but I saw a couple teenage boys yesterday walking up my street, and I was thinking about this point is in my notes about all of our friends having influence on us. And, you know, it was a warm day yesterday, was it not? These two boys are walking up with um, winter hats, toboggans on their heads, both of them. And I thought, you know, one can be, can be kind of dumb, but two? Why are they both wearing And you go and you see them, you walk through the mall and you see a group of kids, six or eight kids, and they all are wearing the identical clothing, are they not? Why is that? Because our friends can have influence on us. And, and don't just say it's just about kids either. We adults, we have this saying about keeping up with the Joneses. All of our friends can have influence on us. Proverbs 27, verse 17. This is a familiar verse. I want you to read it. Let's read this verse aloud. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And I think the opposite can be true, but we can also say it this way, and they can sharpen us for good or bad. Or as they sharpen us, or the opposite can be true, they can make us dull. Read Proverbs 13, 20 with me. Let's do that one aloud again. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Fill in the blank for me here. Just some sayings we've heard. These are not scriptures, but these are wise sayings. Uh, You're known by the company you keep. Anybody's mama ever tell you that? You're known by the company you keep. Is that true? Absolutely. People will judge you. Well, they shouldn't be judging me. People will judge you. That's the reality by the people you hang with. Here's another one. Birds of a feather. If you lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas. How many of us have tried to convince our parents that they should allow us to do something because all my friends are doing it? And you know, of course, what mom's answer is, and if all your friends jumped off the cliff, you know, remember that one? That's in Mom 101, I guess. They all say the same thing. Even those who are at the acquaintance level, that we really don't much about them, those who are on social media, influence us. And maybe it's because, very simply, maybe they possess something, own something, that at a distance we envy. The higher the level of friendship, though, in that pyramid, the greater the influence. It's the same concept as peer pressure. You know, who did you want to dress like growing up? I had a friend that showed uh, on Facebook. He had a, he's a pastor friend up in, in New York. He's from England. And he showed a picture of himself in like 1967 when he was 12 years old or something, 14 years old. And he had this picture of himself. You couldn't see his feet. So I asked him the question. I said, hey, Roger, were you wearing beetle boots? Chris, you remember those. But you had a pair. Yes, he did. Look at that. (laughs) Who do you want to be like? Who do you want to dress like? You want to be like your friends. Who did you talk like? You talk like your friends. 
Last fall, you might remember, I hosted a reunion of old friends, most of whom were teenagers with me in our church youth group 45 years ago. I have a picture of, uh, they were here last fall. They were sat right over here in church one Sunday. Uh, they are still very special people to me. Because of the positive influence they had in my life to live for God. These kids, the pressure, peer pressure was strong amongst these young people when they were young for me to live for the Lord. That's a positive peer pressure, isn't it? So I believe so strongly that our youth ministry is so important. The decisions, the good or the bad that set the direction for the rest of our lives is typically made when we are in high school or college. It is. It's important that we have the right friends that influence us at those higher levels. All right, next point in your notes. Boundaries need to be set and observed. Boundaries need to be set and observed. Sometimes the best word you can say to a friend is no. Well, they won't like me. It's okay. Proverbs 17, 18. One without sense enters an agreement and puts up security for his friend. Talking about co-signing loans. You want to end the friendship? Real quickly, what happens when you co-sign a loan for a friend? What happens when, for whatever reason, their payments stop? Who does the bank come after? Book of Proverbs says don't do that. That's wise if you stay away from that. It's because the friendship will suffer and go out the window. Proverbs says wealth attracts many friends, but a poor man is separated from his friend. Many seek the favor of a ruler, and everyone is a friend who gives gifts. Ask, um, ask the people who win the lottery how many friends they suddenly have. They come out of the woodwork, and a lot of them come crawling out of the sewer, but they have lots and lots of friends that they haven't heard of or seen for many, many years, relatives. Suddenly everybody wants to be their friend. Why? For one reason, because of their newfound wealth, because of their money. Money can lead to really bad friendships. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25 says, Don't make friends with an angry man. Don't be a companion of a hot-tempered man, or you will learn his ways. What's this proverb saying? You make friends with somebody who's got a crazy temper, hot temper, you're going to become like him. You will learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Don't do it. Are there people who, because of their explosive temper, you should just avoid? Yeah. Anger and uncontrolled temper are sort of like alcohol. What do you mean? Anger makes us do stupid things, harmful things. Set some boundaries with your friends and stick with them. Where do I find those boundaries? Read the book of Proverbs. It will help you. Ask your parents. Ask wisdom from other people. Ask God. Go back to last Sunday's message and go back over that again. 
These next points enter into the higher levels, I would say, of close and intimate friendships. Of close friendships, intimate, they're your very best. And this next point says accountability keeps the relationships honest. One of the purposes of close friends, frankly, of having very close friends is somebody to keep an eye on me. I expect that if I tell Gail, Gail, I'm going out, I'm going to run out to 7-Eleven and get a gallon of milk. 7-Eleven is a mile, maybe. It's not that far from my house. I could be there and back as long as there's not a whole bunch of people in the morning buying bananas and donuts. I can be there and back and get home in five minutes, having made the purchase. I'm going to go out to 7-Eleven and get a gallon of milk, and four hours later, I have not returned. What should I expect from her? Well, if I have my phone with me, which sometimes I forget and I don't take with me, if I have my phone with me, I should expect a call or a text. Where in the world are you? Why? Because she's my best friend. She's checking up. She wants to make sure I'm not dead or in the hospital somewhere. Where are you? Why? Because there is this accountability. And if she can't get up with me when I do return home for four hours and show up with no gallon of milk, she's going to say, where in the world have you been? Why? She's, it's not that she's trying to get into my business, but we have this accountability because of our close friendship. I want to be able to trust those who speak the truth in love to me when I need to hear it. Friends do that. I want people in my life who have my permission to ask me the hard questions about how I'm living. You've seen the bumper sticker, friends don't let friends drive drunk. Seen that? That's accountability. And, you, and by the way, it's all, that doesn't just apply to drinking. Friends don't let friends do stupid things. At least we try to stop them. Proverbs 27, 6. Here's one we can read together. Read this with me. The friend, wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. The wounds of a friend. A wound is something that hurts, isn't it? But it says the wounds of a friend, a friend can say something, has my permission to speak into my life, something that wounds me. That hurts me because they're speaking the truth, but they're saying it in love, and maybe I don't want to hear it, but it's trustworthy. But if you're always looking for people that just pat you on the back, say, you're doing great, everything's good, and, you know, he calls them kisses of an enemy. Next point for you. Loyalty is a deal breaker in friendship. Loyalty is a deal breaker in friendship. Proverbs 27.10 says, don't abandon your friend or your father's friend. Let me ask you, you ever been abandoned by those you considered your friends? Yeah. You find out who your real friends are when you're going through a hard time, don't you? Proverbs 18.24 says, there are friends in quotation marks. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 16.28, a gossip separates friends. By the way, jot this down. 
Here's some wisdom for you. If someone will gossip to you, they will gossip about you. Right? You got that? If someone will share gossip with you, they will gossip about you behind your back sometime, someplace. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times. Loyalty. That doesn't mean a friend always agrees with what I think or what I've said or what I've done. But love transcends. If you have a real, good, really good friend, that love between friends transcends a lot of my stupid stuff, doesn't it? I do a lot of stupid stuff. And when I do stupid things, especially around the house, I will hear myself being called names by my best friend. She'll say, you're such an idiot. Or you're such a jerk. And I'll say, idiot lover, jerk lover. And then she laughs and we're good, all right? Most of it's in jest. All right, now. When, with loyalty, though, we talk about loyalty, it, it raises, it has to raise this question. When does my loyalty to a friend end? Can it end? Should it ever end? And the answer is this. When your loyalty to your friend causes you to have conflict with your highest loyalty which is to Christ, then it ends. Did you get that? My first loyalty in life is to Jesus. And if my friend is trying to lead me, direct me, influence me in some way that will conflict with what I know is the will of God in my life, with what I know the scripture says for my life, and my friend wants me to go another, another way, that's when my loyalty to that friend should end should be over. Sometimes in life with friends, sometimes you have to choose, don't you? I have to choose between my friend or Christ. Now, I don't have to tell you which is the right choice. You're in church. I think you know that. Sometimes you have to choose. Always choose Christ first. So, let me leave you this morning with just these three realities. Wrap this up. First reality is this. We all need friends. Everybody needs friends, especially at the top four levels. God created us as social beings, didn't he? Garden of Eden creates Adam. Adam's down there. God gives Adam all kinds of responsibilities. And then God looks at Adam and says, you know what? That guy is alone. He doesn't need to be alone. And so God creates for him a friend who happens to be a spouse. Everybody, God's created us as social beings. God's created us needing to belong, to be in community. But please, please, in your search for friends, put the Lord's wisdom first. Don't be so desperate and this could be true with, with in, in romantic relationships, seeking boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it might be. 
husband and wife, don't be so desperate that you gravitate to those who will use you or abuse you or lead you somewhere you don't need to go. Do not be that desperate. Because you have, if you're a Christian, you have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. You have friendship with Almighty God. You say, I don't have any friends. Yes, you do. And for the time being, depend on him. Don't be so desperate. Secondly, not only do we all need friends, we all need to be friends. Well, that kind of goes along with the first one, doesn't it? Yep. Again, this is not rocket science. You have love to give someone else. You have experience that, experiences that you've had in life that others can gain wisdom from if you'll just share them. And they might not be good. They might be, here's a mistake that I made, and I want to share this with you because I'd hate to see you. You know, there's no reason why any of us should make the same mistakes as our friends. We have to learn from them. Sometimes I'll hear someone say, I don't know why I don't have any friends. And my answer, if somebody says something like that to me, my answer is, well, maybe you need to start being friendly. Maybe you need to reach out, come out of your shell if that's the issue. But listen, there is always somebody who is in need of a friend beside you. Somebody needs a friend too. We all need to be friends. And then lastly, we have a Savior who desires to be our friend. As I said earlier, he called his disciples friends. Abraham, back in Genesis. Abraham was known as the friend of God. Hey, who's that guy leading all those people out there in the desert going somewhere? And I, we stopped and we talked. We stopped and they stopped to get, you know, feed the camels and all. And we stopped to have a conversation. Who are you? My name's Abraham. Where are you going? I don't know. And, and so other people will say, well, who is that guy? And his reputation was he's God's friend. That's a great reputation to have, is it not? That could be your reputation, by the way. And that was because of Abraham's faith. Above all others, Jesus is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And maybe your step today, I'm going to ask you in a few moments, what's your step? Maybe your step today is to embrace him as your savior and your friend by, for the first time in your life, accepting him by faith believing that he came to give you life and he came to free you from, our, from your sin. Say, so Jesus Christ, I want you to be my Savior. Well, the great thing about him with Savior is he also wants to be your friend. That's an awesome experience. Our pastors, after we sing a closing song in just a moment, are going to be standing here. And if you want to learn more about Jesus or if you need prayer about your friends and the wisdom God wants you to have, They'd love to talk with you, pray with you, encourage you. Let's bow for prayer. Father, here's an area in our lives that every single one of us can relate to because all of us, I would guess, are somebody's friend. All of us have friends. All of us want to have wisdom, I would think, in our friendships. And, and that's because we know that a lot of 
so-called wisdom that we can learn from our friends is destroying our lives, destroying our relationships, making us think about wrong directions in our, our journey. So we need wisdom. We need to be the right kind of friends. We need to love people with your love. We need to be your friend first and foremost. And trust in you. With this important part of our lives. You, you care about every part of our lives, including our friendships, and we thank you for that. Help us make the decision this morning that perhaps you're leading us, talking to us about. There may be somebody in this room that's got a really tough decision because they are involved in a relationship that is not healthy, that is friends pulling them away from you. And they need to perhaps end that. Those are hard things to do, God, but we want to follow you and be loyal to you most of all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world.